Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hey, everyone. We are your rogue film historians discussing another movie of our generation. Or one of the many movies within our generation. Oh, sure. Um, I guess, yeah. (laughs) I mean, we... Uh, you know, when we were when we were old enough, especially to start watching our own films, um, you know, it was right before uh, the digital age where it really started exploding. But um, theaters were expanding. Like we we had that weird sweet spot in between the beginnings of home video, but home video or home media, even through the DVD early parts of the DVD, were just kind of expensive. So you only collect you, you didn't collect as easily as you might collect now. Um, or especially say, you know, throughout the, 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 the earlier 2000s when it really hit its stride. But uh, yeah, like, you know, we, we, we got into that sweet spot where movies started to be, uh, started to really show the profitability, you know, um, uh, which they had for a long time. But I mean, you know, you started seeing theaters opening everywhere. Like even, even in the relatively quiet area of New England where we live, you started seeing, you know, theaters opening left and right. Well, we... Yeah, I mean, not only we grew up in the 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 multiplex era, right? Of of you know, I don't think we've you know, the smallest theater we knew was the Salem Tri Cinema that had three you know theaters, right? In it, you know, but uh, you know, growing up, we had the showcases that you know at one point you know they had eight, and then they grew to over twenty screens, yeah. right. Right. Uh, yeah. Like we had exactly. We had the 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 one in Lawrence there with you know the the two. Um, they they added one in Lowell. Um, you know they've added you know more around us. But yeah, like it, it really started. Um, you know there was a time where uh, it's it you know the, the theaters were seemingly you know very much on the rise, and we we were going constantly, and it seemed like every movie was doing pretty well. Yeah. Well, again, it's you know. The TV Movie Rewind podcast. We grew up watching movies on TV, mm-hmm. in the theaters, renting them on home video, and then expanding into the DVD and now the streaming age. Yep. What a time to be a film fan. It really is. I mean, you can find sure. almost any movie you want to see out there. And then there's some of these boutique labels finding some of these obscure movies that you've only heard of in legend. And maybe you read about them in a magazine 20 years ago. And now here comes arrow video, giving you a big high end release of the movie on Blu-ray. It's fantastic. Well, exactly. And and to your point, I mean, we just watched for the first, at least I'm pretty sure it was for the first time for both of us. Definitely me. Like we finally just watched the Maltese Falcon 82 years after its release. Yeah. (laughs) And it looked, it looked possibly better than it did when it was released uh, and, and fantastic. And yeah, very easy to get. So you're right. Um, You know, you have access just about anything one way or the other, but uh, we're not here to talk about all that, even though we've been talking about it for the past few minutes, we're here to talk about the 1993 action thriller sniper. Yes. Which I didn't know. Um, 93. Yeah. So I didn't even know this went to the theater. Oh, yeah. I had no idea this was a theater movie. I thought this was more or less a direct-to-video movie. Oh, no, 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 no. It went to, I mean, you probably thought it was direct-to-video because it did not do well in theaters. It just didn't find its audience. And I think as we discuss it, we'll we'll probably explain why it didn't find its audience initially. But eventually this movie not only did find its audience, it would spawn 
nine sequels. <laughs> that are nine still going as far as we know. Sequels. Yeah, the, the, the 10th movie in the franchise just came out uh, a few months ago. Not even yeah. a few months ago. I believe it came out in October of 2023. And it seems to, or at least based on Plex anyway, it seems to more or less, the the latter films, the latter six or more, seem to retain the same like kind of writing team and like creative team, which is good to have that consistent. I haven't watched them. I know you're a fan. That's why we have them. But uh, I guess it's good to have that consistency because you seem to be a fan of the franchise as a whole. Oh, yeah. We have all 10 films. I've seen them all. And... uh... We got reviews up for them up on Letterboxd. I've ranked all 10 of the films, and each of them has been reviewed and given a star rating. And spoilers, this is not your number one. No, the the first movie is not my favorite of the franchise. It's in the top four, uh, but it, it's not my favorite. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that for, for reasons. But this movie stars Tom Berenger and Billy Zane, and it really is a two-man show. There yes. are other people in the movie, of course, but most of the time we are either with Tom Berenger, Billy Zane, or then the two of them together. Yeah. Uh, this was directed by Louis Yosa, I believe is how you pronounce his I mean, last name. Two L's that I believe he's spent, or what is he? He's either Peruvian or Chilean, but yeah. He's like Peruvian. It's Yeah, that would be my guess too. We've discussed him before because he directed yes. Anaconda and other film we like and didn't know uh, that when we started watching this and i saw the name like that name's familiar and yeah of course you mentioned anaconda it's like aha man if you want to film for jungle hunts if you want a film taking place in the jungle he's the director to go to i would say Mm -hmm. because he not only delivers beautiful you know views of the jungle but he gets you down into the jungle so you feel like you're not watching a jungle movie. You're actually kind of there with these guys. Peruvian, yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. Like the way he, just like Anaconda, the way he, the the, the jungle is more than just a setting. It's it's, it's almost a character in itself. But um, less less obvious as it was in Anaconda, where like the whole, you know, that they're constantly talking about like all the random things that could kill you there. Um, in this, it's you know, it's pretty much the the, the backdrop environment. But yeah, the, the, the if if you're filming. If you're doing a jungle movie, he, he, he he's your guy. And he has gone on. He doesn't really direct much anywhere, at least not in America. But he's created uh, a, his own production company in his native Peru that has apparently done incredibly well. So yeah. uh, he deserves it. He's a he's an excellent uh, director. Yeah, this is a, um, so this movie in particular, I I. I think I only saw it the one other time at some point when we rented it in probably in 94 or 95 or so. And um, my impression of the movie was basically, eh, it was fine. You know, I, I don't remember, I didn't remember abjectly disliking it. I remembered somehow in the back of my mind an air of disappointment though. But I also, uh, also not enough that it was just like, oh, you know, it was a bad movie or a not recommended movie. I just kind of remember being like, yeah, I, I, I kind of remember it. I, I kind of like it. But you carried the, you carried the torch for it um, via the sequels. Well, I remember, you know, I, I kind of liked the film, right? You know, but it wasn't. It, this is, I guess, we should say, like, like some of the other movies we talked about, like Exterminate. This isn't really. It's, it's a action thriller not really so much an action movie which i think is why like uh and and we'll get into it but um 
I, I'll tell you that on on repeat viewing on this new viewing, I, I gained more appreciation for the for the film than than uh, that I feel like I had back then. And I, I think age and perspective, and you know, viewing other movies has had a lot to do with it. And I think, uh, and I believe you said as well when we were watching it, you know, part of it had to do with what you thought you were going to get with this exactly. movie versus what you actually get with this movie. And I I put it akin to like if you see. And I did, but I was also a lot younger and, 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 you know, differently impressionable and expecting different things out of movies. But, you know, I saw Rambo, but this is like the height of Rambo. And, and we discussed it in the Rambo episode, but I saw Rambo before I saw First Blood. So when I first saw First Blood, I came away, not that it was a bad movie, but like disappointed and confused, not really appreciating what the story actually was until much later. Yeah, this is not your typical, and that's what we kind of expected. Was our typical gung ho action movie, guns a blazing, <laughs> plenty of explosions, plenty of gunfire. You know, maybe you know some chases or whatever. And Something a bit closer to Navy SEALs, or uh... yeah, yeah. This movie actually tries to give a more accurate portrayal of what a sniper team does, and that's the other thing. Right, it's a sniper team. Right. It's it's not one guy out there, you know, just, you know, lining up his shots and, and, and taking them. It's going out into the jungle, finding the perfect location and waiting and waiting and waiting right. and having a spotter helping you calculate temperature, wind, elevation, distance, all this stuff that, you know, takes an incredible amount of patience and time. So you can get that one perfect shot, make your kill. And then melt away, you know, without anybody knowing you've actually been there, except for the person with the big hole in them. Right. And this is this is um, I mean, it's probably not the first, but among the first that really shows like the solitary nature. Yes. Uh, and how, you know, what 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 uh, or at least, you know, in this movie's world anyway, like what the rest of the group, you know, thinks of snipers. And, um, you know, they just kind of go off on their own, you know, yeah, it, solitary and just like the. um you know the 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 just like yeah you're just out there in the nothing just waiting so much of it is just waiting and being incredibly patient and incredibly still um not to mention being incredibly accurate and a survival that's not top of all um uh this is the first movie that i remember you know as it really just like dug into that sort of aspect of it and what i didn't appreciate then i appreciate more now but i i will say the movie's flawed only in that you don't really you don't really know where it's going. Actually, maybe it's not a flaw. Maybe it was intended, but you you kind of don't really know where it's going. You're not really sure what you're getting. And when it comes to the not so much twist, but when it comes to like towards the crescendo, it both seems out of nowhere, but also at the same time, kind of like, all right, I, I I guess you did lead up to that. Um, but I guess yeah, let, let's let, let's well, let's get into it because this movie does focus on the psychological aspect right. of having to be a sniper, right? In not particular, only just just the solitude, but of looking through a scope yeah. and and being like, you know, you you know actually, what you're hitting intimately, right? Yeah. But not There's only no that, denial. you know, neither one of us, as we said before, have been in combat. But right. I would say that in combat, if I'm in combat and I'm being shot at, it's going to be a lot easier for me to aim my gun and shoot and then pull the trigger on somebody shooting at me. Right. Especially but if you're looking, firing like wildly over a wall or something. Right. But looking down a scope at a guy who might just be sitting in a chair or standing there shaking yeah. hands with somebody who you have been told is an evil person and needs to be taken out for national security. Right. You know, that's still something you, you, you got to deal with. And I think that's why 
the movie plays out the way it plays out. It it's is a sequence with Billy Zane. Yeah, that you know these guys are out in the bush. They're receiving their orders to go and, and go kill this person. Under and here's the intelligence or whatever intelligence you get, and you as the sniper have to be like, all right, I'm going to go out there and do it. I think you. I guess let's let's um you know start with your start with your breakdown because I want to get to the point where um you know right after the I guess we'll call it the prologue and uh, you know uh, Billy Zane gets back to the I'm sorry not Billy Zane Tom Berenger gets back to the base before he meets Billy Zane because I think you made a good point when we were watching it as to why like at least for me the movie feels like a disconnect later like they don't telegraph it as well as they might have. Yeah. All right. Well, you know the movie begins. We have. Uh... Tom Barringer, who is our star, he plays Master Gunnery Sergeant um, Tom Beckett. He is a sniper. He is working with his spotter, a Corporal Pappage. I think they mentioned he's a Corporal. I think That's so, yeah. Pappage. And, you know, it shows them, well, we get to see them because the camera's on them. It shows right. you how they're like so deep in the jungle. Under, you know, all this camouflage and in their ghillie suits and, again, doing the calculations as Behringer is scoping in on their target. They make that one shot, one kill. And, of course, that alerts all these guys at the compound who are around him. And they just start firing wildly into the jungle because they don't know where the shot came from. It's almost like that scene in The Predator where the whole team is just firing to the jungle because... You know, Bill Duke is firing into the jungle. Right, like a ghost may may as well shot them for all they know. Yeah, I mean they know and, it's uh, obviously a sniper, but it's an entire jungle, and they're just in the middle of it. So, you know, you take Behringer, your best guess. And Berenger and his, you know, his teammate, you know, just kind of melt into the woods, and it, we catch up with them, you know, later, obviously a couple of miles away, just talking, and you know, how again, it, it's showing how much of a sniper's life is just waiting. Right. Doing nothing out in the middle of nowhere saying, you know, uh, yeah, we, you know, we still got two hours till our extraction. So doing nothing, but not being allowed, like allowed, like you or I would say on a weekend being like, I'm doing nothing. So you can just relax. You let your guard down like anything could happen. But you have to not only be just like worry about just keeping yourself occupied, but also like an incredibly heightened alertness. Yeah, because there is, which is weird. I can't figure that. You enemy know? combatants actively searching for you. Right. Right. Like, even though you're not sure what to do next or, like, you know, maybe you're figuring out where you're going or having to move really close, you also have to be, like, incredibly heightened aware and 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 try to, like, restrain yourself from making sudden and obvious movements, from giving yourself away. It's, yeah. But they don't have to worry about giving themselves away because their helicopter evac comes two hours early during the daylight, which, you know, Angers Baron just saying like I told him no daylight extraction. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. I mean, I'm with him here. It's like, man, if you wanted to leave any ambiguity as to who shot the guy, you certainly you certainly failed that. Because like, I mean, while the soldiers probably, uh, you know, whoever they, yeah, the the, the soldiers, I guess, at the um, will later find out like this. You know, a lot of it has to do with drugs and and drug running, but. You know, they probably figured it was American military. This is, you know, Panama, the late the late nineties, so it makes sense. Late eighties or so, it, it makes sense. Uh, but like, yeah, you know, talk about any plausible deniability when the helicopter immediately shows up, which alerts, you know, of course, the the killers after them to their right. position. 
So as they're making their that to the, the chopper, Pappage is killed by an enemy sniper who, you know, snipes in on him and even like doesn't immediately kill him, is obviously trying to lure uh, Behringer back into a trap, but Behringer doesn't leave a guy behind, so he goes and grabs him and, and makes their escape on the helicopter while, you know, he's chewing out the helicopter crew that came and got him, you know, way too early. So now we're in, so that introduces us to our main protagonist, Tom, played by Tom Berenger. Now, the way that they'll eventually set up his relationship with Billy Zane, and especially the way it works out, I think you were right, Matt. I think what they probably should have done is rather than show us exactly what happened in detail at the beginning, they should have left it more ambiguous somehow. Because that would sort of make that that would make way more sense for what happens later. Well, but again, this this prologue gives us throughout the entire movie yes. and just about any movie you've probably seen about snipers, this prologue gives us exactly what the movie wanted to give us. Right. An accurate portrayal of a sniper team doing what a sniper team does. And I think it does that well. Like it's a, it's a definitely a good opening. Um, I don't really have an issue so much with the opening, except that it probably could have set up what happens later better for, for that to land a little bit different, to, for that to land a little bit better. Um, you know, to give, they, they should have given Behringer's character a bit more mystery or some sort of more belligerence. So that way the, Oh, I don't think they need to give him more belligerent. Well, the thing is, like, well, yeah, but like, great that okay, yeah, he he could be an intense dude, but like, he's he's very by the book guy. Uh, but the impression that you'd think you're supposed to get is that like, oh no, he's dangerous, he's dangerous because they talk about like, oh, he's got like a string of um, dog tags or whatever, and it's like, yeah, well, it's a dangerous job, but there's nothing about him in particular that seems like he's you know a loose cannon and that he'd well, be dangerous to work with. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole thing. He is he is not a loose cannon. No. He is a by the book marine. It would have made it would have made more sense. I mean and again, I maybe maybe not. I'm only I'm only I'm only suggesting that like, you know, if they had gone with the beginning to make it less clear as to what not so much change Berenger's character, but make it less clear that would happen so that you as the viewer could be like, oh maybe he is a loose cannon. You know? Well, no, again, I think we're supposed to sympathize with him over the Billy Zane character. Who and you certainly do. Yeah. Introduced as a person who is a skilled shooter. And they specify he is a shooter, not a sniper. Right. Well, he technically he, was. He was a SWAT sniper, but he hadn't killed anyone. Right. An Olympic uh, shooter. Uh, uh, like you said, a SWAT sniper. And he's somebody with political ambition. And the shadowy government, you know, well, I shouldn't say shadowy. It's obviously it's like some sort of CIA, you know. Yeah, it's a made up, but it's something between the NSA and the CIA. Ops, right? you know, yeah, some black ops. Controlling the drug, the, the drug cartels in Panama specifically. You know, it's just like in Clear and Pleasant, Present Danger, <laughs> if you've seen that movie. So he's being given this, this assignment to... Um, go and take out a specific target with Tom Berenger. And they're telling him like, and you're in charge of this mission. You know, he's the, he's the shooter. He's going to be the sniper to take it out, but you're in charge. And, you know, if you think at any part, he's, you know, 
he's endangering the mission, you take him out, which seems very odd. It does. It, for someone who they're saying, like, he's awesome and he'll do it, you don't really have to worry. But just in case, it's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like everybody else has this weird impression of Behringer that we don't get to see. And it's, and it's fair enough that, like, okay, well, yeah, he's out on his own. And all they know is that sometimes he doesn't come back with people. So it's like, I kind of get that. But it's like, we can't really go on that journey with you. So it just doesn't but feel right. You it's, almost, it's harder to land. You almost wonder if these guys in charge know that, you know, we screwed with him so much, he probably doesn't trust us anymore. Right. So Zane is sent out to the jungle. And while they're helicoptering in, the trapper comes under attack in a very violent, bloody attack. And and um, the director said outright, yeah, he wanted to he wanted to deglamorize violence, which let's face it, over especially in the eighties, action sure. movies, violence was overly glamorized, and he I wanted mean, to Cobra, is, not Cobra, it, it, uh, Commando is like a celebration of it. But he, yeah, almost like the same way Peckinpah's approach to the Wild Bunch right. was to make bullet wounds horrible, horrible things. Like we see a guy get shot through the throat. We see another guy just take a bullet to the leg, screaming in pain. I appreciate. Like I'm not a gore. I'm not a gore guy at all. But like it's like you know what? It, it should. It, there should be impact to this. You know. Yeah. So that's why I'm like I'm I'm fine with it when when they when they go for that level of realism. Like I was fine with it, especially when Spielberg did it. It's like you know what I mean. This was a real thing. Try to at least don't don't yeah don't try to sugarcoat it. You know. So Zane is assembling his sniper rifle while they're under fire in this helicopter, and the door gunners are trying to to, to take down this guy shooting at him, and Zane. Uh, he gets him in his sights, and he has him in his sight for a good couple of seconds that it seems like he would be able to pull the trigger and take this guy out. But he hesitates. Yeah. And it ends up being the door gunner who kills the guy, but the door gunner and the guy shooting at the helicopter kind of kill each other. And Zane gets the credit. And, you know, the pilot thinks Zane took him out. And so Zane gets the credit. And when they land at the, you know, military base in Panama, Zane starts getting kind of treated a little bit like, you know, oh, nice shot. You know, you save those guys, you save the rest of the people in the helicopter crew by taking that guy out with an incredible shot. And, of course, he doesn't admit because he knows he didn't take the guy out. Right. But he's willing to take the credit. And that's when, you know, he meets Behringer and you get a little bit more, you know, idea about how snipers again work because Behringer is showing like kind of filing down and polishing his bullets so that they're as accurate as possible. No burrs, no, you know, little imperfections that may take that bullet that's being fired over hundreds of yards off course and miss the target yep and you can tell there's almost an immediately dislike between the two of them well i mean behringer immediately thinks the shot is crap yeah no it's yeah no and he's also like how come i don't have another marine force recon like trained soldier with me which is a valid question 
Why am I getting this guy? Right. What's with the random guy? And you know, it, it would be like it, it would be almost like if James in James Bond, it would just be like, and your you know Todd is going with you. <laughs> like what? Why? And Billy Zane, you know, playing the excellent way Billy Zane plays, all you know, trying to come off all smooth and charming. Hey, I know what I'm doing. You know, I've done this. It's you a know, good before. role. It's a very good role for him. You know, don't worry. I can hack it. We're, we're gonna we're gonna accomplish this mission, no problem. Yeah. And right away, things start taking you know a downturn. As far as I'd be the same way, because as they're leaving the base, Billy Zane's like, "Oh, is this helicopter our our ride out of here?" And he's like, "Nope, this is our ride out of here." And they start marching off into the jungle, and Billy Zane's like, "Um, we got a long way to go." But Tom Berenger's like, yep, but these chopper jocks keep, you know, giving me away and I don't trust them anymore. So the only way I'm going into this jungle is if I insert myself and march cross country. And from this point, we get a lot of walking through the jungle. Yes. And a lot of dialogue between Billy Zane and Tom Berenger. And when you're watching this movie for the first time thinking you're going to get an action movie right this is where the movie just kind of like man oh should we even finish watching it after a while yeah but the dialogue is good the, the interactions are good the, the actors are excellent too good yeah. everything that's going on has has you know you know they're they're almost playing with each other right with their dialogue you know, Beringer baiting Zane, Zane baiting Beringer, you know, Beringer testing to see if, if Zane not only can he take the shot, you know, whether he's Would skilled he? in shooting an attack, can he? Right. I don't think, I mean, he knows his credentials. I don't think he, I don't think he has any doubt he, he would make the shot. It's just, would you actually pull the trigger? Right. Because as far as Beringer is concerned, he's never killed anybody. Right. Not right. this guy he's credited with taking out from the chopper. And, you know, again, granted, it's at a scope from, you know, a thousand yards or more away, but like you can real see up close with that scope and you know exactly what you're hitting. Right. You don't get the you don't get to have the potential mental safety of just like th throwing something in the general direction and, and, and wondering if it was you who had any effect or not. You know, uh, and that that plays a, that that's that's kind of the crux of the film. Right. Uh, Billy Zane is like, oh, man, Tom, um, oh, I forgot his damn name. Uh, Gunny uh, to Tom Berenger, like, you know, 74, I think he said, confirmed kills. And Berenger's, you know, basically like, yeah, but it's like 74 deaths. And maybe they were bad people, but it's like, I still had to do it. I still had to see it happen, you know? Um, which, you know, was if whatever old age I was, me was just kind of like, you know, it's like, I got it. But at the same time, it's just like, come on, man, blow some stuff up, <laughs> you know? Shoot somebody. Yeah, There's like something, like something, you know? But uh, as they're, you know, kind of marching through the jungle and, you know, we, we know Tom Beckett as, you know, Gunny Beckett has decades of experience in the military. He is a veteran. He was right. even served in Vietnam. They, they, they kind of point that out. So he knows about marching through the jungle, whereas uh, Billy Zane, Richard Miller, does not. And at one point he stumbles, falls down a hill and into a river but he makes sure he holds when he lands in that water he holds his gun up so it doesn't get wet and Barringer comes down makes sure he's okay and of course 
Zane's all upset with himself, and he's like, no, you did good. He goes, what do you mean I did good? Is there a wrong way to fall down a mountain? And Beckett points out, no. You knew your weapon is your life, and you made sure it didn't get damaged. You held it out, out, out on the water. You did good. And you I, know? I, I think that's an interesting scene, too, for the both of them. Like, one, it shows how it, – it shows, you know, Billy's importance is about, like – not so much appearances, but like the um, it's 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 different. Like it's not it's not duty or mission, whereas this or or it is, but it's like it's it's different from um, from Berenger, who's just like, well, I'm going out here again. You know, maybe this is the time I die. Maybe not. So he's you know he he's he's very into the moment, whereas Billy's about more or less about appearances. And what I like even more about Berenger's um, reaction to this is like he's impressed. You know, he's not like, oh, you stupid kid. You know, you know, you know what you're doing. You fell. It's just like he implicitly knows the jungle's dangerous. That was probably going to happen at some point. Probably will again. But yeah, he knew how to keep his gun safe. And that's the yeah. most important thing. Uh, you know, I, I think that shows, I think that's important characterization right there. Instinct kicked in and kept him alive. Right. And then there's another important discussion between the two of them where, you know, Billy Zane is making it clear, like, no, he doesn't. He, once he does this mission, he's going back to the United States and using this to further his political ambitions, right? Further his career. You know, I, I've got plans. And then, you know, while he's talking with Gunny, Gunny kind of almost like, oh, well, I have plans too. Um, you know, I'm from Montana and, you know, there's this great fishing place. And I think maybe when I go back there, um, you know, I'm going to set up a little, you know, guide and fishing thing and, and do that. And Billy Zane says, like, they leveled that, you know, a while ago. He's like, this is this is all you got, isn't it? You're you're a Marine through and through. You're a lifer. This is being a Marine sniper is your life. You don't have any ambition beyond that. Anyways, this is this is what you want. And Berenger obviously knows that's true but he takes offense to it and they continue off marching through the jungle i think i mean i, I don't know if he's um i don't remember him saying it exactly but i think it's more of a case of like he's just he knows he's good at it and just can't well, imagine but, doing anything else even though he doesn't want to he knows he's good at it at this point we know it's been his life for right. a minimum of 25 years right right yeah yep what else would he know mm -hmm. It's an institute. Yeah, he's like institutionalized to it, you know. Also, while they've been marching around, you know, Billy Zane keeps like, you know, we're supposed to be heading east. Why are we heading west? And again, and like, like sixteen-year-old me, like, total this characterization meant nothing to me. It's like not enough was happening. <laughs> yeah, and but and Beckett is like, well, it's because you know, just because we're out in the jungle, not everything is a straight line to get someplace. Right. And he goes, I, I also have a sense that, you know, maybe we're compromised. Maybe the people tracking us, they know if anybody knows we're coming, they know the best route for us to go there. So we're not going to take that route. Right. And you figure he has good reason for mistrust because, again, he's got random NSC. Probably he doesn't know. He just knows he's like suddenly foisted upon some like random guy to do this like super important mission. So he's got every reason to be suspicious. And then this is where. Um, Berenger springs something on Billy Zane. They come up onto this boat on the river. It's obviously like a pleasure craft. And they're, he's, they're kind of spying on it. And that's when, when 
Behringer says, okay, you see that guy? He's an ex-CIA man. He's known as the surgeon. He murders and tortures people for the drug cartels now. You're going to kill him. You're going to scope him through your sniper because we're not doing, I'm not doing anything with you until I've seen you take a life, until I've seen you take somebody out with that sniper rifle. We are not going anywhere else. And of course, Billy Zane's on, but this isn't part of the mission. He's not part of the target. You know, you're telling me this is who he is. How do I know this is what? Listen. Fair question. You look down that scope and you put a bullet in that man's heart, but we don't do anything else. And of course, you know, Zane is obviously having trouble with, you know, going off mission, shooting a guy he doesn't know. Entirely because fair. we don't know this either. Right. We're all having to take Tom Berenger's word at it, this. Exactly. And I do like that. I, I, I like how the movie does that. It just it does just come out of nowhere. Suddenly there's just like, yeah, we're doing this now. And it's just like, I guess and this guy's evil. I'm taking your word for it. Sure. All we're seeing this guy do is swim. Yeah. He's on this kind of like pleasure craze. He's swimming around. There's ladies. There's 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 you know radio playing. There are armed gunmen with him, so that is a little suspicious. But for all we know, he's an okay guy who just hired these guys to guide him through, you know, Panama. Right. Like you know, we don't know. Watching this the first time again, it's like, oh wow, you know, it's it's happening, and you take everything exactly at face value. Like it just, I, at least me anyway, I took, you know, Behringer at face value and it's like, okay, finally, you know, something is going to happen. But yeah, like, you know, now with the more critical eye to it, it's like, you know, it occurs to me, I'm just taking his word for it that this guy should be shot. And he's just coercing uh, Billy Zane into doing it and never really, he says, okay, well, this mission will end, but doesn't really imply, it doesn't really state exactly what that means because he doesn't really have the authority to do it. Well, as, as so, Billy Zane is constantly reminded us, right. like, I'm in charge here. It's a very sinister statement with no, like, he doesn't exactly say what will happen other than, you know, the mission will be over, I, I guess. Like, it's a very interesting threat. And, if, yeah, it's it's very strange. But like I, like I said, when, well, when I was younger, I think I was just excited to finally see something happen. Like, that whole, all that characterization that you can pick up on is, again, way over. I didn't care. You know what I mean? It just and, didn't, wasn't hitting me. Well, again, and Behringer is trying to make the point. It's like, you don't know this guy you're aiming at. I don't know you. Right. But we're the only two out here together, and it's you and me keeping each other alive. So you're going to do this, or like you said, it's over. So Zane is obviously having trouble with this. He's hesitating, and, you know, even Behringer is like, you got to breathe. Breathe. Now. Point that scope out his heart, put a bullet in his heart, and let's get out of here. Zane, instead of taking his immediate shot and taking this guy out, shoots the radio, then takes aim at the guy, pulls the trigger, and you see the guy drop out of frame. And Baron's just like, what the hell did you just do? You gave away our position. You gave him a warning shot. We're snipers. We don't do that. It's one shot, one kill. And Zane's like, I just wanted to show you I had that situation handled. And, you know, I took the guy. It's like, I didn't see you take the guy out. I didn't see blood. I didn't see nothing. You know, you, you didn't take him out. And Zane's like, yeah, no, he's dead. Well, they're also under fire right now because the guys, the armed guys that were with him are firing into the jungle and they have to extract out of there. And 
Berenger is understandably livid and insisting that we don't know you took him out. So now we got another guy out there after us. He also has been implying that they're being stalked by a sniper, another, you know, ex good guy, I guess, that, you know, a sniper that uh, Berenger once trained. Yeah, like a mercenary now. Now a mercenary for the drug cartels, and he's out there hunting them. Uh, we I skipped a little things where where they work with some of the natives and some other people, but it doesn't really develop the plot much, other than you know a little some. So I'm skipping over a few plot points. No, but um, Ronaldo Arenas will get my uh, Whit Bissell Award. His his, oh, okay. his short his short turn as um, one of the native guides, the one who who ultimately demands Billy Zane's glasses, like that that's like he doesn't he doesn't get to do much, but you uh, you know he's he he's fun in the initial scene, and um, um, I don't know I I, I kind of like uh, the point where they're just like nope we're done, you know we're gone we're not going we're not going anymore. Uh, I'm giving the red whip pistol to Ken Radley who plays. The oh surgeon. yes, the surgeon, yeah. Because he's as close as we get to a villain in this movie. Um, at least one that you don't only see through a scope before they're right. inevitably shot. Yeah. Yes. So, as they're moving through the jungle to their actual objective, we do see that they are, in fact, being stalked by a sniper. And as they, I, I don't want to say make camp, because they obviously don't make camp. They're just you know, resting right, and stopping for the night. Yeah. He tells Billy Zane to get rest without basically telling Billy Zane, you s- just set yourself right there and get some rest. I'm going to rest over here, but really what's going to happen is I know the sniper coming after us is going to, you know, target it on you, and I'm going to take him out while he's trying to take you out. Right. But which know, totally before he does so. <laughs> you, you get a really tense, you know, scene situation of a sniper duel of you know two guys hiding in the jungle searching for each other looking down their scopes and uh yeah the better sniper wins and they do some really stylistic stuff you know to try to give the movie a bit more of an impact you know where where, you know Behringer fires at the scope so that the bad sniper looks and sees the bullet coming at him through the scope which you know of course you know, in reality, that he, he, those move, bullets are moving at supersonic speed. You're right. not tracking the bullet coming to your face. No, no, it's not a blaster in Star Wars. But it's 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 a cool stylistic choice that gives again some more impact to the movie. Oh, for the most part, I like the bullet camera. Yeah. So they finally make it to the hacienda in the middle of the jungle, and they're scoping it out, and they're, they're looking, and they see. You know, they've got jeeps patrolling the area, um, soldiers patrolling the area, and they're, they're basically there to kill. They each have a person to kill. Berenger is targeting a drug lord who lives at the Hacienda, and then there's a guy coming to meet them to try to make a deal, and that's going to be uh, Billy Zane's target. And the idea is since they're both going to have to separate and find locations where they can take these shots and they will not be in communication with each other is that 10 seconds after the two guys meet and shake hands, they're both going to take their shots at the same time 
to make it even more confused about where, you know, the gunfire is coming from. Make their way out of the compound back to a rendezvous point so that they can then make their extraction by chopper. You just listen to this plan and you just think of the hundreds of things that could go wrong. And this being an action move, you know, will go wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. But he gives Billy Zane, he says, you're going to go into that shed, find yourself, you'll have a good shot at the, you know, Hacienda door from there, find your way there. And this is all during daylight. Right. You know, because they're running out of time. So, that you know, again, you know, in, in reality, snipers are going to try to be moved in the dark with, you know, very little, you know, light as possible so they can make their moves without being seen. But also, I think part of this being a movie. Right. You know, you can't you can't film the way snipers would act because all we would see is the forest. Exactly. Or barely. We would see, you know, it would be a very dim yeah. <laughs> forest. Yeah, it wouldn't really be much at all. There'd be a lot. I suppose you could do a lot of scenes of looking through night scopes and such. But yeah, well, it, it wouldn't again, have been all that. I mean, there are there are more than a few night scenes. But yeah, that, that it works better in the day. It's It makes it more interesting, too, knowing that they have to do this from more or less out in the open but move to get there because it's like you know it's it's a huge jungle clearing where they're going to is i don't know hundreds of yards inside that clearing so they have to somehow um you know they can't i forget he says they can't shoot from the trees i forget exactly why he says why why they have to shoot from the clearing but um there was no shot from there there was no shot yeah i mean the way the whole the, the way the hacienda was laid out they weren't not they were never going to get both of them both of their targets one after another from shooting from the tree line. Um, I mean, highly dangerous choice to put uh, Billy Zane in that shed, though, because there's really no cover in there, and you're just hoping no one comes well, by. But I guess I mean you got to do what you got to do, right? Well, and again, as we will see, is Billy Zane, you know, does make his way to the shed. He gets up on like a hayloft and finds himself a position where he can scope. And then we see Berenger hiding out in an open field under a ghillie suit. And I think that's why he sent Zane to the shed, because he did not trust Zane's ability to blend into his surroundings. He figured the only thing that's going to block people from seeing you is the broadside of a barn. The the ghillie suit stuff is fantastic, too, especially the scene where you can kind of but barely like uh, see Tom Berenger. I think that works really well, or at least Tom Berenger's character in the, in the ghillie suit blending in works so really well, so well done. It's so expertly shot because it shows you Tom Berenger kind of taking cover in the ghillie suit and then basically disappearing from view. Almost like, was that a special effect? Right. Did they, did they, did they dissolve into another shot to make him disappear? Or is Tom Berenger still there on camera under this incredible ghillie suit? No, it's so well done. And you can like, because you can see him moving and the camera more or less focuses on them. Like, you know, if this was, if it was real or, or, you know, if I was there on set, like, I don't think I would have seen him honestly, but um, even when you can see him, you're like, Oh, I, I, you know, if if I didn't know he was there, there's no chance I'm seeing that. I'm not, I'm noticing that. I'm, then, I'm probably just tripping overing it, tripping over him, swearing and walking away. Well, that's <laughs> you know? when this, this incredibly tense situation comes along that they just kind of at first they just kind of blow by it because you see Berenger lying down with his ghillie suit, and then you see a jeep drive by him 
so close, right? They could have run over him, right? And he, but the, but like I said, and, the way they it, like we were saying, rather, they're so it's filmed so well that you can totally believe he wasn't seen. It's not like and, a movie where it's like the guy's right. kind of like hanging around the corner. It's like okay, how did not everyone see that? And this is like oh yeah, I never would have seen that. And then there's a patrol that comes by with the guide dog that's obviously sense, sending in on him and is like barking. And but the 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 soldiers are looking around like there's nothing here. Right. There's nothing here. It's just you know grass and whatever. Uh, on, horse dog. manure. Yeah. Yeah. So Beringer bakes it across the field to where he is setting up to snipe, and now we get a you know basically kind of a montage between the two of them kind of looking at each other through scope, so they each know, like, okay, he's in position, and I'm in position, and then a jeep shows up, and who gets out? But the surgeon. Mm-hmm. And Beringer is even more pissed, like, son of a bitch. And, you know, they're kind of swearing like... at each other through the scopes, like, you, I told you didn't get, and Billy Zane's giving him the finger, it's like, now it's all screwed up, and of course they can't say anything, you know Berenger wants to march across there and beat Billy Zane within two an inch of his wife, right. because right there is... You almost expect him to charge across the field like a football like an angry football coach or something, yeah but then they both have to put it aside, because they're waiting for their two targets and they have to wait overnight yeah it, it may even be as much as a day that they end up waiting from the positions once they finally find them. Um, it's not entirely clear, but they go in in bright daylight. We see that it goes overnight. Right. And then it's daylight the next day. Right. It's it's probably a solid 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And sure enough, they're, they're one of their targets finally lands in his helicopter Zane's target, and he starts, you know, scoping in and following him. And Beringer again being more aware of everything because, again, Zane is focused in on his target. Beringer's trying to be aware of the total situation. surroundings, yeah. And that's when he sees that somebody has spotted Billy Zane in the in the shed and is moving in on his position. Right, because uh, the scene starts with some excitement, and you figure, okay, well, people are showing up, but you also kind of see like vague gestures and 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 looking in directions that imply a little bit more is going on, uh, right. and that's when you finally see Barringer's realization of what's going on, and that's when we finally see what's going on, <laughs> and yeah, they're all homing in on uh, poor Richard. Now, and this, well, there's one specific guy going moving in on on uh, his position. And this is when Tom Berenger makes the decision he's going to have to break cover and go kill this guy and protect Billy Zane instead of staying in his position and killing his target. Because they may have both been able to kill their targets, but Billy Zane would have been killed by the guy moving in on him. For sure. Um, but Beringer leaves his position, and and Zane is like, "Where's he going? What are you doing? What, what 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 what's going on?" Well, Zane is able to take out his target. Beringer is able to kill the guy going after Zane, but he isn't able to take his target. The compound is alerted to you know there being a killer around because you know somebody's just been sniped, and they both have to end up running off into the woods. And we this is probably the biggest action sequence we get in the movie. Yeah. 
you know, uh, both of them evading and eluding their pursuers, trying to get out and back into the jungle where they can regain control of the situation. Uh, Berenger sets fire to a field behind them to escape his pursuers. They meet up in the jungle and Zane's all like, what's going on? Why did you leave position? You know, you didn't get your target. And, and, and Berenger's like, yeah, because I had to break cover because you got spotted because you didn't cover yourself properly. So I had to take out the guy who was coming to kill you. And Zane's like, all right, well, that's it. We're out of here. And Berenger's like, no, no, we still got a mission to complete. We only got one of our targets. So we got to go back and take out the other guy. And this is where Billy Zane basically snaps. He cannot take the pressure. Right. And they get into a life and death battle. And this this seems to come out of nowhere. At least, again, for young Todd, it seems to come out of nowhere. Even even for older Todd, it's like I'd never expected it to go this far. Um, I, 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 I think I kind of, you know, in, in the intervening, like almost 30 years or so, I, I well, I guess 30 years or, or uh, just about. Um, you know, I, I think I had forgotten about this like interlude. I think I vaguely remembered like a conflict between them, but I forgot it went this far where Billy tries to kill him multiple times. Yeah. And like, no question tries to kill him multiple times. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's intense. He is, you know, this isn't like a lot of times when you see two guys fighting, you know, two, two of the heroes in the movie fighting where it's just like they're beating up each other. No. Zane is 100% trying to yeah. kill Berenger. Yeah, no, he's, uh, you know, starting with the knife, he tries to drive into him, uh, but Berenger luckily dodges in the several gunshots that Berenger is able to escape. Yep. Of course, this brings in... And he does the, hit him, know, actually. I think he hits him in the arm, right? Well, but this also alerts the people pursuing them sure. to where they are. Yeah, as you would expect, yeah. Berenger is captured. He does not give up Zane's position. He knows Zane has run out of bullets. And as he's being captured, he stands up and he holds his rifle above his head and very visually unloads his rifle, his shells hitting the ground. We know he's doing this to be like, Zane, once I'm taken off, you come get these bullets and reload your rifle. And you're going to have to not only again... I'm being captured. You can't let me live either. So now we we really get to meet the surgeon, and we know he is a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. He starts in on torturing um, Tom Berenger, just beating him to a pulp. This is intercut with Billy Zane coming out of where he was hiding, collecting the bullets, reloading his rifle, and making his way back to the hacienda. And not only to just physically torture, but to psychologically torture Tom Berenger, the surgeon wraps wire around Billy uh, uh, Tom Berenger's trigger finger and just keeps pulling it tighter and tighter and tighter. Yeah. It's cutting a, off his trigger finger. It's a pretty brutal, brutal scene. Like I didn't. Uh, I, again, even even you know, I, I, when I was younger, I didn't expect this is where the movie would go. I guess I mean my the the preconception probably having watched so many you know ha- having watched so many action movies that were ultimately very similar up until that point you know through the late 80s and 90s each one trying to like evoke each other in one way or the other like I just wasn't expecting this 
Well, again, it's not just again, it's not just physical torture. It's like I've just taken away your livelihood, right. your reason for being. You no longer have the trigger finger. As Zane makes his way to the compound, he ends up through luck right on the other side of like a bamboo, well, a, a bamboo wall where the other target was, and he's able to stab him through the wall, killing him. Moves in, starts lining up his shot in the surgeon, and, and Tom Berenger sees this. He knows Zane's out there and is making his target, and he's trying to signal to Billy Zane, it's like, you take, you line us up so that our heads are lined up so that you can kill us both with one shot. I've been telling you this whole time, one shot, one kill, but now this time it's one shot, two kills. Zane takes the shot, puts a bullet right through the surgeon's eye, and Berenger is okay. Well, as okay as Berenger can be. Right, given the circumstance, yeah. Moves in, rescues Berenger. We get another, like, really intense chase as they're, you know, moving through the jungle to their evac site being chased by the, 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 the drug soldiers, and they make their escape. And I wonder if in the original idea, maybe in the original script, if they didn't have the Dick Miller character taking out Gunny Sergeant Tom Beckett with that a one shot to kill. I, I mean, I agree with you there because like the way he drops his head after the shot, it does look like he might have had the direction of dying. This is a dark and brutal movie. Yeah. This is not this again. We, we said this is not an action, exciting, it's... gung ho. It would kind of fit in with the whole tone of the movie of Billy Zane taking them both out with that one shot and then moving off into the jungle and it ending there. Right. Just ending with, you know, that that entire ambiguity. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't know. I prefer this ending. And it, again, sure, sure. it led to to do to do a franchise. But um Either ending would have fit, although I think that 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 more downer ending would have probably hurt the movie more. But as we said, this was not a successful movie, and it would be 10 years before they would bring us a direct-to-video sequel where Tom Berenger returns as Master Gunny Sergeant Tom Beckett. He's, you know, they carry that injury where of him not having a trigger finger anymore they show that he has learned to use his middle finger to pull the trigger but he's still this you know one of the best snipers in the world and with sniper two they realize like if we're gonna take another shot pun fully intended Hmm. at this franchise we are going to deliver your more straightforward gung-ho action movie and they hired the perfect director to do that, our beloved Craig R. Baxley, yep. who knows how to shoot fantastic action on a low budget. And yeah, Sniper 2 reignited the franchise. It's one of the best of the 10 movie franchise. It's it's not your and, number uh, one right, though. And and no. Yep. And right up until a certain point. It still tries to get be accurate about how sniper teams work, 
But once they make their assassination in Sniper 2, that just kicks into full-on action, and it doesn't let up, and it is a fantastic movie. Sniper 3... Sniper 3, I want. it's not a bad movie. It's really just forgettable. Um, it's, it's just not as action-packed as the second. It's not as intense as the first. But it's a, it's a decent enough movie. Um, for a long time, it was my ranked lowest in the franchise until 9 and 10 came along. I didn't much care for them too much. 9 Neither was bad. 10 was at least an improvement over 9. Okay. Then the fourth movie, which is the first one to not feature Tom Berenger, introduces Chad Michael Collins as the son of Tom Berenger, Brandon Beckett, in Sniper Reloaded, which is a perfect, not only a perfect sequel, but a sequel that is superior to the original. Sniper Reloaded is my favorite in the franchise because it works as a sequel to the first three movies. If you don't see the, first, the two and three, it works as a direct sequel to the first movie. If you've never seen a Sniper movie, it, it works as an introduction to the franchise. And um, Billy Zane makes his return to the franchise, now a, uh, a fully-fledged Sniper who is training Snipers, who ends up, you know, teaming up with uh, Brandon Beckett to take down a an enemy sniper? Because actually, again, the titular sniper of Sniper Reloaded isn't Brandon Beckett, son of Tom Beckett. It's the villain. Oh, who they're tracking down? It is. It is a. It is one of the best, you know, direct to video, low budget action movies I've ever seen. It is. It is the best. Then we get Tom Berenger returns for the fifth movie, Sniper Legacies. We see father and son together, again, trying to take down a rogue sniper. Sniper 6, Ghost Shooter, is my second favorite of the franchise. By rogue, do you mean like a mercenary, sort of like the Jackal kind of deal? or? Well, he's a, once again, it's a sniper working, yeah, for the bad guys, gotcha. who's now hired himself out to work for the bad guys. Um, yeah, Ghost Shooter is uh, Billy Zane and Chad Michael Collins again, Sans Berenger, and my second favorite, where they are now part of an elite sniper team being run by Dennis Haysbert, who becomes a semi regular for the franchise. Uh, they're guarding a pipeline being built in um, Eastern Europe. It's it's the best action-oriented one of the franchise, if not the best, you know, um, story-oriented. So my favorites, the, my top three favorites of the franchise are Sniper Reloaded, which is the fourth one, Sniper Ghost Shooter, which is the sixth one, and then Sniper Reloaded, which is the fourth one, and then the first one coming in as as my fourth favorite. Um, seven has some problems. Eight uses one of my le- I hate the plot line of Sniper Assassins and the eighth movie. Oh, I know. I already know where you're going line. with this. I haven't seen the movie, but I know exactly what you're going to talk about. <laughs> 
It's that plot line where the hero of the franchise is clearly set up to look like he's done the bad thing. And everybody should know it's a setup. It should be so incredibly odd. But no, the person in charge of the investigation is going to bring him down. And we'll bring him down dead or alive if I have to. Well, this movie brilliantly comes up with the idea of, yeah, I mean, it does look like Brandon Beckett pulled off this assassination but does anybody really believe that doesn't anybody find that the fact that all the evidence points to him is actually more suspicious because wouldn't he have done something to cover his tracks and so it's even set up where the fbi agent in charge is like yeah i don't think he did it but i gotta do my job and do my due diligence i'm gonna follow the clues wherever that may takes me and then they introduce an agent from the, the organization Beckett works for is like, all right, and then I'm going to look to see what I can do to make sure we clear him of all these charges if he is innocent. Brilliant. It works. It's also the last time um, Behringer will appear in the franchise so far. Sniper 9 was a huge letdown. It is my least favorite of the franchise. 10 was a course correction. But as I said, if you follow us on Letterboxd, if you look us up at Movie Matt Soroyce, all one word on Letterboxd, you can see my rankings. I have this as part of my list. And each movie I've starred and given a little written review for. Now, um, your problem, the, the overriding problem with Nine, was it was it boring? Was it stupid? Was it? Yeah, they, they tried to go with some bizarre slapstick comedy almost. Oh, it, 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 I wasn't it, expecting it was, that. It was so totally different from the rest of the franchise. Like it was like Crank all of a sudden? Well, but no, it's... I mean, the movie starts off with 10 women who have been kidnapped into the sex trade being brutally murdered by their kidnappers because the FBI is onto them and is coming to their location to arrest them. So they're all being gunned down and murdered to cover their tracks as the bad guys escape. And then they want to have it be kind of a light toned comedy. I'm like, I'm sorry. After what you just showed me, I'm not in the mood for a um, Beverly Hills cop style, you know, it, it was so... I almost need to see that. Wow. I almost need to see that just to like fully comprehend that. But that's that's fascinating. That's that's not at all what I would have I expected you to say, oh, it was just really like cheap and boring and the well, acting was terrible, you know, something like that. The acting isn't good because none of these well again. It didn't look like the people Chad that Michael, had really believed in it. Well, yeah, and Chad Michael Collins, who has played this character through a bunch of other movies as this, you know, hard bitten marine well, what, sniper. Like five, right? Yeah, he's all of a sudden trying to be like, you know, it just it did not work. Ten try obviously corrected the course a little bit, but also now the the, the they they feel like I'm watching a TV show and not a movie. Oh, like Sniper like, the series know, on USA. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I like I've seen you know I've seen the first couple of seasons of NCIS and I liked it. Uh-huh. But that's almost where they kind of seem to be wanting to take the franchise to be kind of this NCI. And like, no, all the other movies, even though they were direct to video, low budget, they still felt like movies. 
now it feels like I'm watching a TV show. And even though it's a decent TV show, it's not what I'm looking for. Now it's like clear they're kind of mailing it in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the tent has a standout martial arts sequence in the towards the end of it, but it's still not enough to save the movie. Um, yeah, but look, back to Sniper. This is an intense psychological action thriller that if you haven't revisited, if you saw it like we did the first time and were kind of, you know, meh about it, Give it another look. Yeah, I, I think you you'll find it improves once you know what you're getting. Right. You know, because again, you sit down looking for like a Rambo style or a fast paced action movie, you're not getting that, so you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, exactly. You will get that for the rest of the franchise, though. Um, lots of action in, in the rest of the franchise, but again, that's not what this movie was trying to do. Much like the original Death Wish movie is much different from the sequels that will follow. There you go. Certainly different from three. Yeah. But you know, that's that's our view on Sniper. Uh, what do you got for recommendations? Or unless you have anything else to say specifically about Sniper. No, I mean, I think you covered it with the uh, sequels. I mean, you know, it's a franchise that you've championed for a while. Um, I haven't watched many of the sequels. I can't remember if I even saw Sniper 2, to be honest with you. And I think part of it was because Sniper 3 just left such a, like, a relatively mediocre, but again, not like, oh, that movie was awful. In fact, I, I remember over the years, especially as you were talking about the sequels and as I kept watching the sequels, I'm like, maybe I do need to see Sniper again. Maybe I do need to reevaluate it again. Um, so, you know, it, it probably, I'm not sure if I would have gotten around to it, if not for this podcast and ultimately your suggestion for this particular weekend. So, uh, I was glad to revisit it. Um, well, again, like I said about Sniper 3, I remember watching it to review it. And then after finishing the movie, going online to review it and being like, damn, that movie's forgettable. Cause I just watched it. it wasn't <laughs> like, what did bad. I just watch? It's yeah. not bad. If it was bad, I'd remember it more. Right. I, I mean, I will tell you that even though, um, even though watching it again felt like, you know, kind of a little bit like watching it for the first time, it's like I, I remembered it more than I thought. It just took some prodding um, from the film. So it definitely left it left more of more of an impression than I thought, but I just couldn't formulate it. Um, but, you know, what? ultimately, I'm glad for that because I don't know if I would have rewatched it or, or reappreciated it. And almost definitely not, honestly, if you hadn't um, kept up with the sequels and, and, and enjoying them. No, in fact, if you go right now to Amazon, I don't mean right this very instant, but you can get the first six movies in a collection on DVD for under $12. Oh, right on. And and I highly recommend you do that because the first six movies of the franchise are the most solid. And then if you enjoy all six of them, which I think you will, then you can, you know, think about tracking down seven or eight. And then you might, I would, I would recommend finding uh, nine and 10 to stream online somewhere. Uh, But the first six are definitely worth owning. um, The only other like side recommendation has nothing to do with Sniper, but um, I sure do like Billy Zane. Um, Check out Demon Knight, especially if you haven't checked it out in a while. I really like Demon Knight. That's a fun as hell movie. Also with Thomas Aiden Church. Uh, They're both fantastic in it. 
Oh, and Sniper 4 Reloaded, he steals every scene he's in. I mean, he totally just steals the whole movie. Oh, fantastic. Um, I'm going to watch through these. I mean, I get, I get, now, now, that, um, now that I finally have seen the first one again, um, and uh, uh, yeah, appreciate it far more this time. Um, yeah, no, I, I, we'll, we'll definitely check out the sequels now that we have them all. Yeah, and I think my recommendation will be checking out the at least the first five sequels up until uh, uh, up to and including Ghost Shooter. Okay, and then you know just because it, it popped into my head, Act of Valor, which was that um, action movie about Navy SEALs, oh, starring Navy, starring right? active duty Navy yeah. Navy SEALs. And some of those uh, sequences were filmed during live fire exercises. So you're going to get uh, the most accurate portrayal of the Navy SEALs in combat that you will ever see in a in a action movie that is not a documentary. Right. Like you don't get much more training than being the actual SEALs. <laughs> yeah. The acting isn't the greatest because, again, these are... You know, combat Navy SEALs. Yeah, they're actually, soldiers but, first, but it's not bad actually. No, they 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 carry it. They can off. carry a movie. I mean, certainly better yeah. than I would have. Yeah. All right. So, with that, uh, we move on to Magnificent Seven Degrees, where we connect this to the Magnificent Seven. Right on. Do you got one? I do. Uh, so Billy Zane. Um, this this always interested me. Uh, I, I never had a ch- got a chance to see the movie, but w- one day I, I found out that both he, Dennis, and Dennis Farina played the uh, Hillside Stranglers in um, the case of the Hillside Stranglers from 1989. Um, and I believe the guy who plays the detective in that movie, well, I, I forget I forget the role, I think the detective anyway, uh, is um, Richard Crenna, who was in Breakard Pass with Charles Bronson, who was in the Magnuson Center. Nice. Um, I'm going with Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger made his film debut in an excellent horror thriller, The Sentinel from 1977. I've never seen that. Um, yeah, it's about a it's good, uh, model. Huh? Huh? It's good. Oh, it's excellent. I've never seen it. We'll have to see it. We'll have no, to if, it. You, if you're into like the omen, it's almost like the omen, Rosemary's Baby and... Uh, Lucio Fulci's Beyond rolled into one because it's about this this model who moves into a New York apartment complex that turns to be out to be over the gate of hell. Uh, yeah, well, it tracks. Um, it's Tom Berenger's film debut. It's a small role, but Eli Wallach is also in the movie, and Eli Wallach was, of course, the villain in the Magnificent Seven. Oh, right on. Um, I have to check that out. Why did I th- Is there a book maybe or movie um called the sentinel that's about like a killer tree or something the guardian the guardian okay and there is there are the other movies titled the sentinel like the um Kiefer sutherland mike uh michael douglas um conspiracy thriller and i remember there was that richard Berge tv show that was also pretty oh, cool yeah. called the sentinel that was a decent show. That was like an early UPN, I want to say. Yeah. Oh, one of those. Yeah. yeah. That was on for a while. All right. Well, with that, we thank you for listening. Remind you that you can follow us on X slash Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox, all at Movie Matt Sorois, M O V I E M A T T S I R O I S. 
Like I said, I've got all the Sniper movies reviewed and ranked there, so you can check that out. We thank you for joining us and hope to have you back next time. Yeah, thanks a lot, everyone. And uh, thank you again, Matt, for uh, recommending this one. This one's fun to watch again. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, people. Stay gold. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>